Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. All right. Good morning, Movement Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Some of you excited to be in church? I know I am. There's no place that I would rather be. And uh, we're coming off of just an exciting weekend, honestly. Um, Some of you are here and you got to be with us in LA this weekend at our She Rises conference. It was absolutely amazing. Um, I'm hoping that if you didn't get to join us this year, that you'll get to join us next year because I'm telling you, it is life-changing. And uh, we gathered with a couple thousand women in the Dolby Theater, and uh, that's the place where they do the Academy Awards, and where the world worships status and success. We gathered together and got to worship the name of Jesus, and it was amazing. And so I'm just excited to be here with you this morning. I'm I'm pumped up and fired up. I'm also a little bit tired. So you're going to have to talk back to me a little bit this morning so that I know that you're there and engaged. I would love to just connect with you. But I have to tell you before I start, um, I'm not Pastor Carrie, in case you were wondering. Uh, For those of you who are visiting with us, my name is Megan. My husband, Carrie, and I pastor the Movement Church. And we just like to say welcome. We're honored you chose to spend your Sunday with us. And my husband is actually in Redlands, where it's really hot, I think. And I mean, it's hot here, but Redlands. He's in Redlands today, um, filling in for one of our friends who pastors a great church out there. And the truth is, is he got a phone call last week from our friend who said, can you please come on Sunday and fill in for me? Because he had to go to another church to help handle a crisis that was happening. And, And here's the thing. If you've been around the Movement Church for any amount of time, you will know that we love the church. We love our church, but we also love the Big C Church. And we're all about being on the same team and doing whatever we can do to help one another out. And so when Pastor Kerry got that phone call, he said, yeah, I'm there. I'll be there for you. And so he's up there preaching at Citizens Church, and he texted us to let us know that in first service today at Citizens Church, 15 people said yes to Jesus. Come on, that's worth a hand clap. But he hates not being here with you. He will be back again next week. And so you get me, and I get to preach after a very full weekend at She Rises. So who knows what I'm going to say today. It's going to be exciting. Um, But I really do. I really do think that God has something in store for us today. And you're coming at the end of an incredible series. A series is kind of like a good book. It's something that you don't want to miss any of the chapters. So if today's your first day with us, take a moment, go back and listen to our podcast. We've been talking all about the armor of God and talking about how God has equipped us with strength for every battle that we face. And we face real battles. And so today, that's what we're going to talk about as we close out this series. We're going to talk about the last piece of the armor of God. And so before we get started, could we just pray for a moment? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, I just come before you right now. God, I thank you that you are here. God, I thank you for an incredible time that we got to spend just worshiping you, just taking our attention off everything else going on in our world right now and placing our attention on who you are. So today, God, as I I speak, God, I just pray that you would speak through me, 
God, I pray that you would open every heart to, to hear and receive exactly what it is that you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, that's just a fancy word for I agree. If you're not used to language around church, sometimes we say that and it just means I'm with you. I agree. And so uh, that's what we do here. But again, you have no idea what you're in store for today because I'm telling you, I am so fired up from this weekend and uh, I have a message here to preach, but I'm just expectant for God to do something today that um, blows our minds a little bit. I don't know about you, but I, I have enough mundane in my life. I want to experience the miraculous power of God. I really do. So I'm hoping that you do too and that you're a little bit excited about what God wants to do in this place today. But again, we've been talking about battles, right? Every single one of us faces battles. Sometimes we think the battles are with people. Sometimes we think the battles are with our, our spouse or our boss or our employees. Sometimes we feel like we face like battles that are just right up in our face. But the reality is, is that there's a spiritual battle that is happening behind the scenes that we can't see with our eyes, but man, we know it's real, don't we? And so this entire series has been based off of the scripture found in Ephesians 6, 11 through 13. And I want to read it to you right now. It says this, put on the whole armor of God. It's telling us to do something. So we have a responsibility, you guys, to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Sometimes we've just got to learn how to stand and not get knocked down, right? To stand against the schemes of the devil. Hey, it's important to recognize that the enemy is crafty. He is so crafty, and he, he has schemes to try to prevent you and me from experiencing the fullness of the promises of God. It says, we, we stand against the schemes of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So now what do we do? So take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all, stand firm. I think that the writer of this scripture is trying to help us understand that we are going to face battles and we need to learn to stand, right? And so he gave us some instruction on what to do because he's saying, listen, you're going to face real battles. You battle not against flesh and blood. And in this it says you wrestle not. If you were here for the first week of the series, I told you that that word wrestle in the Greek is actually the word pale, which means a contest or a fight waged in close hand-to-hand -hand combat with the goal of pinning down and defeating one's rival. So you have an enemy whose goal and strategy and plan is to try to pin you down and keep you from experiencing the promises of God. But we know that there's a God in heaven who loves you who created you with a purpose, and he has good things in store for you. So we've got to learn how to be equipped to fight the battles that come our way. So as we're getting started today, I told you in the, the first week of this series that I like to teach the armor of God to my kids. So I'm going to ask my carpool kids to come up on the platform with me this morning. Give them a great big hand clap. All right, y'all. Hey, they're going to surround me. So... Let me introduce these guys to you for just a minute so you know who they are. This is my daughter, Avery. This is Abby Parham, Pastor Jeremy and Jessica's daughter. This is Tyler Gordy, Pastor Scott and Gurley's son. Trey Parham, 
Brooklyn Robinson, my other daughter, and they are going to help me as we break down the armor of God one more time for you. So every day when we drive to school, and it's summer right now, but we're just going to practice, guys. Are you ready for that? Okay, every day when we drive to school, we put on the armor of God. And the reason we do this is because when I was growing up, my mother used to make me put on the armor of God every day on the way to school. Up until I graduated from high school, I was getting out of our blue lightning minivan, putting on the army of God, armor of God, right? So I just think there's something important about understanding what this looks like, and I've asked these kids to bravely help me show you what this can look like. Are you ready? All right. So we're going to put on the armor of God. You ready? Put on the breastplate of righteousness so you can walk in righteousness and make good choices. Put on the belt of truth so you can know the truth and speak the truth. Put on the shoes of the gospel of peace so we can walk in peace and tell people about Jesus. Put on the helmet of salvation so we can renew our minds and think like Jesus. Take up the shield of faith so we can fight the fire and darts of the enemy nothing that stands against us shall prosper. Take up the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, the Bible, so we can know what it says and do what it says. Come on, you guys. Good job. Thank you for your help this morning. You are amazing. Aren't they good? You guys are awesome. Thank you for your help. So we just wanted to give you a little demonstration. When you're putting on the armor of God, you can add your motions if you would like to. We like the motions. It helps us remember it. But here's the thing. It is important to understand that it is a choice to put on the armor of God. It's a choice. It's like getting dressed in the morning. I get to choose if I'm going to put it on or not. And so one of the things that I think we miss out on as Christ followers is applying the word of God to our life and actually seeing how it changes things, right? So this whole series, we've been unpacking what each piece of armor looks like. And today, I'm going to get to that very last piece. But before I do, I just want to talk a little bit about battles. Because every single one of us walks through situations that sometimes feel overwhelming, right? Anybody been there in an overwhelming situation? There's a, there's a movie and there was a book I grew up on called Alexander's Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Anybody else read that book or is it just me? Okay. So I, I at times in my life have thought, well, this is Megan's Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. I've had some days like that and I imagine you have too. In fact, when I think about some of the days that I've experienced, I'm sure there are many more recently, but I have this one day that I can think of that I just thought I'd share with you where I was feeling overwhelmed. And we were living in Arizona at the time, um, which is 100 in hell right now, you guys. <laughs> it is hot in Arizona. So that was already a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, right? It was hot outside. But beyond that, I had just had a miscarriage. And I was just feeling this overwhelming sense of loss, just some pain. And maybe you're here and you can relate to what that feels like. And, and I just was feeling overwhelmed and discouraged. And at that time, I was working and teaching in a school. And how many of you know that even though you're discouraged, you still got to show up to work, right? And so I got dressed and showed up to work. And the school I was teaching at, Brooklyn was in preschool there. And in the middle of my class one, of, one day, 
the teacher, the preschool teacher, brings Brooklyn into the classroom sobbing, crying. And she had fallen and cut open her knee. I know you all think I fell and cut open my knee this morning, but this is style, people, okay? Hers was not. She had fallen and cut open her knee, and she's bleeding, and she's crying. And I was just like, I don't know if I can handle this. Like, I'm... I'm already struggling with my own thoughts and feelings, and I'm discouraged, and my daughter won't stop crying, and I've got to go to the doctors today to get things checked out, and I was just feeling discouraged. And so we left early from work that day and went out to get in my car, and a tree had fallen on the trunk of my car. I'm not lying. A tree fell on the trunk of my car. There was a giant, like, tree on my car. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. This is a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. I'm like, I am, I'm thinking, I don't know if I can function. And so I get some help, and they get the tree branch off the car, and the trunk is all dented in. And I'm just like, you have got to be kidding me. And we get in the car, and Brooklyn's still upset about her knee. And so we're driving to the doctor's office, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do with this child while I go and get a sonogram? So I stop at McDonald's and get her a chocolate milkshake to make everything better. I mean, who doesn't do that? Of course, right? So we go to the doctor's office. Brooklyn's downing her chocolate milkshake, you know, in the office. And I'm sitting there, and I'm discouraged. I'm feeling some loss. A year before that, my dad had passed away. And I'm looking across the room at this man in the waiting room who looked exactly like my dad. So I'm staring loss in the face. While I'm walking through it on the inside, I'm a little bit fearful about what's going on. I'm completely discouraged. A tree fell on my car. My daughter is drinking a milkshake that's probably not even real milk. I mean, it was bad news. We're sitting there. I go into the doctor's office. They do the sonogram, and the nurses do the thing where they go, hmm, oh, hmm. And I'm like, don't do that. What's wrong? And they're like, well, we can't talk to you about it. You'll have to talk to a doctor. What? I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. And I'm getting overwhelmed by fear. And we leave the doctor's office, drive through the bank. On the way home, Brooklyn starts doing this. Mom. Mom. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And then, and chocolate milkshake barf all over the inside of my car. And I'm thinking, we should just get rid of the car at this point. And I'm sobbing, crying, and I'm calling my husband and going, you have to leave work. I've never done that before in my life, but that day I did it. You have to come home. I can't function anymore. I don't even, like, I don't, what's the point? And I'm just so overwhelmed. And what was happening in that moment, in the midst of natural situations, things that just happen, listen, I don't think the enemy causes every single problem in your life to happen, but I'll tell you what, he'll use it to his advantage to bring fear or discouragement, feelings of loss or pain. The enemy will work anything he can to his advantage to get you off course. And that day was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. But we're all going to have those kind of moments, aren't we? We're all going to face some battles, and we've got to learn how to face those battles well. 
You know, I want to tell you a story about a man in the Bible who faced a battle, and his name was Hezekiah. And if you're following along in the scripture, this is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 32. It's also found in Isaiah chapter 36 and 37. And if you've ever read the Old Testament, you'll see stories in the Old Testament, and there's pretty much a pattern that happens. There's a bad king, a bad king, oh, here's a good king, and then there's another bad king, bad king, bad king, good king, bad king, bad king, good king, bad king, good king, bad king, good king. I mean, it's just repetitive in the Bible of all of the different kings that were ruling at that time. Well, Hezekiah comes into office at the age of 25, and he's a good king, and he decides he's going to change some things up. He's going to get He's going to get them back on course serving God. He tears down all of the altars and high places where people were going to worship other gods. He brings everybody together at the temple. He says, no, we're going to worship the one true and living God. Hezekiah is doing everything he can to do things right. In fact, in 2 Chronicles chapter 31, 21, it says, in all that he did in the service of the temple of God and in his efforts to follow God's laws and commands, Hezekiah sought God wholeheartedly. He sought God wholeheartedly. Have you ever been at a place where you were doing everything you could do to do things right and to serve God wholeheartedly, but the battle still came? You see, Hezekiah, as he's doing all of this, he gets word that this evil king named Sanherib, he invades Judah, and he's taking over every city that he comes in contact with. And Hezekiah realizes He's coming for Jerusalem next. So Hezekiah does what any of us should do when we're facing a battle or a situation that we are just overwhelmed by. And he goes and he talks to his advisors and his officials, his military officials, and he says, what should we do, right? Listen, side note, if you're facing a battle that's big, if you're walking through something that is difficult, can I just challenge you to get some advisors in your life? who are going to give you godly counsel, who are going to encourage you to stay the course. Hezekiah did this very thing. He went to his advisors. So many times we walk through dark seasons in our life, and we don't want to ask for help because we don't want anybody to see the weakness or the struggle that we're actually walking through. We're worried about what they might think about us if they knew, but the problem is we actually need advisors. And Hezekiah went to his advisors and his officials and said, what do we do? And they decided they got a plan. We're going to cut off the water supply. We're going to rebuild the wall. We're going to do everything we can to be prepared for this battle. But sometimes you do everything you can do to prepare, to plan, and to prevent battle, but the battle still comes. So Hezekiah is here, and he's appointed these military officials, and he goes out to encourage them. And he says in 2 Chronicles this, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria and all the horde that is with him, for there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of the flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people took confidence in the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Hey, listen, one of the reasons that you come to church on a Sunday morning is so somebody can remind you what the word of God says. Be strong and courageous. No matter what the battle is that you are facing, you can take courage and know that God is for you, not against you. There is more on your side than is standing against you. And we've got to get around people who are going to challenge and encourage us to stick it out in the fight, right? So Hezekiah encourages this to his people. But the battle still came. And so 
this evil king, Sanharib, sends out his propaganda campaign. And they come to Jerusalem, and they begin to taunt the people of Jerusalem. And they start with this. Do you really think you're going to survive this? Haven't you seen all that we've done? Haven't you seen all of the cities we've already taken over? What makes you think you're going to survive this? And maybe you're here today, and you've heard the same lie of the enemy in your own mind. What makes you think your marriage is going to survive this? Haven't you looked around you? Haven't you seen all the other marriages falling apart? Haven't you seen the other people who've walked through that same situation? They didn't make it, neither will you. They begin to taunt the people of Jerusalem with the lies. Then they begin to mislead them with this like half-truth. And they begin to tell the people of Jerusalem, Hezekiah, why would you listen to him? He tore down all the altars in the high places. Why would God help you now? You see, it was this misleading lie because Hezekiah tore down the altars in high places because the people were not worshiping the one true God. They were looking to all these other idols. But the, the enemy came in and began to whisper these lies, saying, why can you trust Hezekiah? Look at what he did. And some of you have battled with the same questions and doubts and fears in your own mind. I'm not really sure I can trust God. I'm not really sure I can actually trust what the pastor's saying. I'm not really sure it applies to me. This is just how the enemy works. It's just how he works. In fact, they were out there just taunting the people and taunting the people, and they began to just bring all these things to the table to cause fear in the people's hearts. And I think it's kind of funny what they said, and this is in the Bible. I'm not making it up. But they said this. They're like, listen, when we attack you, you're going to eat your own dung and drink your own urine. I'm like, that's just gross. Yeah. I'm thinking if I was there, I'd be like, is that really? Like, that's gross. But that was the best, that's the best uh, attack that they had at that time in, in day, I guess. I don't know. It was very scary. So here's the thing. The enemy is going to do everything he can to try to intimidate you, to try to bring fear in the midst of the situations you're walking through, in the midst of the battles that you are in personally. And he knows exactly how to get at you. And it looks different for every single person in this room. But we've got to be aware of the tactics of the enemy. You know, another thing they did is they tried to persuade the people of Jerusalem with promises that if they surrendered, they would be living in a land of plenty and be well taken care of. And sometimes the plan of the enemy for your life and for mine is to make something very wrong look very good and appealing. Sometimes the enemy's greatest strategy is to try to make something that you know is not right look really, really good. They wrote letters to create fear and intimidation. And finally, word gets to Hezekiah. And Hezekiah is overwhelmed. And it says in the scripture that he tears his clothes and he falls to his knees and he cries out to God. It says he recognized in this moment that this army that they were up against was too big for him to defeat. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a situation where you were so worn down and so defeated you had no idea what to do? But Hezekiah knew this army is defying the living God. So he gets down on his knees and he begins to pray. And he says, God, you have got to fight this battle for us. We don't know what to do. We don't know how we're going to make it. We need your help. And so he gets down on his knees and he cries out to God. And the word of God comes to him through the prophet Isaiah. And the prophet Isaiah says this, listen, 
I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And do you know what happened? says in the Bible that the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the people woke up in the morning, there were piles of dead bodies. This is like something out of a Marvel comic, and it's in the Bible, you guys. This happened. So Hezekiah cries out to God, and God says, listen, I will defend you. I will defend you. And God took care of it. If God can do that for Hezekiah, what more can he do for you? We're going to face battles, but I'm telling you, we serve a God in heaven who is big enough to fight on our behalf. But one of the things we've got to do when we are fighting battles is recognize why we're fighting. You see, Hezekiah, he found himself in a battle to defend what was his. He found himself in a battle to defend what was his. Maybe you're here today and you find yourself in that battle to defend what is yours. Could be your health. Maybe you've received a diagnosis that's just bleak. And you're fighting to believe that God is our healer because the scripture says he is. Could be your family, your relationship, your finances. Maybe it's a dream that God put in your heart. But you just feel so discouraged and so defeated like it's never going to happen. And the battle is to fight for what is yours? The dream that God gave to you, the promise that God gave to you, the family that God gave to you. Maybe you are in a battle to defend what is yours. And do you know how we do that? We dig in those shoes of the gospel of peace. We dig them in and we stand. That means in the face of opposition, in the face of anxiety, in the face of fear, we say, no, I'm not going to back down. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. He will keep me at perfect peace and I am going to stand, right? When the battle seems too big for you to handle, you've got to remember God is on your side. He's on your side. Deuteronomy 20 says this, when you go out to war against your enemies and you see all the horses and chariots and an army that is larger than your own, you shall not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you, the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And when you draw near to battle, the priest shall come forward and speak to the people and say to them, hear, O Israel. Today you are drawing near for battle against your enemies. Let not your heart be faint. Do not fear and do not panic. For the Lord your God is he who goes before you to fight against your enemies and give you victory. Listen, that's not just a word in the Bible to the Israelites. That's a word for you and me. God will go before you to give you victory, to fight your battles, to defend what he has promised you. And you can stand on that word. There are some battles that we're going to fight that are actually not ours to fight. There's some battles that are going to come against us that are actually not ours to fight. There's another king in the Bible. He came a little bit before Hezekiah. His name was Jehoshaphat. He was a good king too. And when Jehoshaphat was in office, three nations, surrounding nations, decided to rally against him and to come and to attack. And Jehoshaphat thought, what did we ever do to you? What did we ever do to you? And have you ever been in a situation where you felt attacked for no good reason? Has your character or your integrity ever been just questioned and on the line? And you're thinking, what did I ever do to be here? Or maybe you've experienced this with watching someone you love or care about walk through a battle that you think, that's just not fair. They don't deserve that. But there's some battles that are not ours to fight. 
And Jehoshaphat in the Bible, it says that he begged God for guidance. And he called the people to fast and to pray and to ask God for help. In 2 Chronicles 20.10, he said this in his prayer. We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. Maybe some of you are here today and you feel like you're powerless to defend your own name. Maybe some, maybe some of you are just battling through a battle that is not fair. And you feel powerless against what's happening to you. He says we're powerless against this mighty army that's about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. See, Jehoshaphat knew this is the only way that we're going to get an answer. And the prophet came and said to him, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen to King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. This is a word for you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army because the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, you're going to go out against them, and you'll find them coming at you from the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jarel. But listen, you won't even need to fight. Take your positions and stand. Take your positions and stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He's with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Listen, some of you need to know if you are facing a battle that is not yours to fight, you may experience seasons where you're attacked for no reason, where your name is questioned. There's going to be opportunities for you to take offense, to want to get angry, to want to fight back, but sometimes the battle is not yours to fight. Sometimes what God needs you to do is just be still and quiet. Sometimes what God needs you to do is recognize that he is your defender, that he's got your back. You don't need to take up the offense for somebody else because God is their defender, right? And do you know what Jehoshaphat had the people do? He had them worship. You know, we come in a room and we sing songs of worship on a Sunday morning and we don't do that to be entertained. Some of you come in and you go, what is happening in this room? They're jumping around. They're like so stinking excited. Yeah. Here's why. We serve a God who's fighting for us. And I'm a little bit excited about that. That I'm not on my own. That God is for me and not against me. And so when we come into a time of worship, we get excited about who God is. And you see people lifting their hands and they're not asking questions. They're just saying, God, like Jehoshaphat did, we need you. We're helpless without you. We actually need your help in our lives. And that's what we do in a time of worship. And Jehoshaphat had the people begin to worship. And do you know that the armies coming out against them turned on themselves and destroyed themselves? They didn't have to fight the battle. So there are some battles that you will face that will require you to put on the belt of truth, to remember God's word, to put on the helmet of salvation, to renew your mind. There are some battles that you are going to face that are going to have you have, you have to stand and worship. Because as you worship, it changes the atmosphere. It changes the atmosphere. In fact, the band is joining me right now on the stage, and in a minute we're going to worship. Because I believe that in worship, we fix our attention on a God who is for us, and we begin to change the atmosphere and our expectation. And this is what Jehoshaphat said when he faced this battle. But the last kind of battle that you might be fighting Hey, listen, this might be a battle for you to take territory. Maybe God is asking you to step out and do something new. 
Maybe it's to start a new business. Maybe it's to start a new relationship. Maybe it's to, to go after the dream that he's put in your heart. I don't know what your story is today, but I can tell you this. If God is asking you to step out and do something new, to step out and to take territory, there will always be a battle. You see, the people of Israel knew this because when they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years waiting to go into the promised land, when it became time and Joshua said, it's time, we're going to go into the promised land that God has given us, they knew they were going to go into a battle. But they knew they could do it because God was for them. In fact, in the scripture, it says that God spoke to Joshua and he said, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because the Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. And some of you need to know if God is calling you to take that next step and to go and to take territory, whatever that looks like, that God is with you wherever you go. So do not be discouraged. God's putting courage into you right now to remind you that you may be facing battle, but he is for you and he will go with you. He will fight on your behalf. So how do we fight these battles? What do we do in the face of fear? When fear gets all up in your face and close and personal, what do we do? What do we do when intimidation tries to, to paralyze your mind? To make you feel like you're not good enough or like you don't measure up? What do you do when the soundtrack of your mind, the soundtrack of your past plays louder than the promise of your future? What do you do? What do you do in the face of fear? What do you do in these battles? Well, listen, Paul, the author of Ephesians, told us what to do. We've been equipped for strength, with strength for this battle. And he told us this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the armor of God. It's a choice to put it on. It's a choice to get dressed. But we've been equipped with what to get dressed with. So put on the armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the enemy. Hey, listen, real God in heaven, he created you with purpose, with a plan for your life. He actually has good things in store for you. But the enemy does not want you to walk out the promises of God. I can tell you that. The Bible says the enemy roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He has these schemes up his sleeve to try to create fear and anxiety and pain and frustration and disappointment. Why? To get you off track from what God has for you. But Paul tells us, put on the armor of God. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Not your own righteousness. It's not what you can do. You can't do anything to earn God's grace and forgiveness. He already did that for you. Put on the breastplate of righteousness to guard your heart and make good choices. Put on the belt of truth. Why? Because the truth, the word of God, is the foundation for everything. It holds it all together. Put on the shoes of the gospel of peace so that you can walk in peace. Not anxiety, not fear, not insecurity. You can walk in peace and tell people about Jesus so you can stand. Put on the helmet of salvation. Pastor Kerry talked about this last week because we have an option to renew our minds to line up our thoughts with the word of God, to tear down any stronghold that raises itself against the promises of God. We are given that. Put on the helmet of salvation. We take up the shield of faith to fight the fiery darts of the enemy, that nothing that stands against us will prosper. 
That means the faith that we have in who Jesus is actually is our protection and our shield. And then we take up this last piece of armor, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. I don't even have to talk that much about the sword of the Spirit because this entire series has been unpacking it. This is the only piece of armor in the Bible that the author actually gives a description for right there. It's in Ephesians chapter 6, and he says, you take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's the Bible. And if you will use that, it is the weapon of offense that God has given to you. Every other piece of the armor is defensive. But there are some times in life that we've got to stop just taking a defensive posture, and we've got to begin to take an offensive posture to stand against the schemes of the enemy and say, no way, not anymore. I'm going to step forward and advance the purpose of God for my life. I'm going to walk in the victory that I know that God has given me, and you need an offensive weapon for that. And when Paul wrote about this weapon in the scripture, the sword of the spirit, he was talking about a specific kind of sword. You see, in the, those days, the Roman soldiers used to carry two swords. One sword was huge. I almost brought it today, but I decided I couldn't hold a microphone in the sword. But it was huge. Big sword, it requires two hands to yield it. Right? But there's another sword, and this is the sword that Paul was talking about. This isn't an actual sword. Bear with me. But it was about this long. It was an 18 inches long, and every Roman soldier carried one of these. It was small. It was perfect for hand-to-hand combat. It was sharp. It had a double edge. It's like the tip of it was like a needle. It could pierce anything that came in contact with it. And it could be pulled so quickly that the enemy might not see it coming. And this is the sword that you need to use when the enemy is right in your face, when it's up close and personal. Because this is the sword that one blow in the right direction is deadly because of the sharp needle-like edge. And Paul's saying this is the kind of sword that we need. This is it. Because sometimes it's going to feel like the enemy is right up in your face, like it's up close and personal. Sometimes you're going to experience moments where you're up all night riddled with fear and insecurity. You're dealing with anxiety and you don't know what to do or how to find peace. But the word of God is available to you. It's a weapon when the enemy is right in your face. And you have the ability to pull it out and to wield it against the enemy. To say, no, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. When you're feeling paralyzed by intimidation or insecurity, you pull it out and you say, no, God has chosen me. I am purposed. God has given me a purpose to walk out. I'm not going to shrink back. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to go after the thing that God has put in front of me. When you see the enemy dismantling everything that you hold dear, you come after him and remind him about the promises of God. See, this is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and it has the power to tear down strongholds. It is the offensive weapon that has been entrusted to you and to me. And the great news is, it's the sword of the Spirit. It's not in me, no power in me, no strength in me. It's the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, that holds the power. And God will fight on our behalf. 
We've got to learn to wield the sword of the Spirit. We've got to learn the Word of God because it has the power to change things. I want to read you some scriptures right here at the very end. And I want to equip you with some of what the Word says that you can hold on to in a moment where you might be facing a battle. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In the Bible, the right hand is referred to as the hand of action. That's God promising you that he will act on your behalf. That no matter what you're facing, no matter how fear might be plaguing your mind, God's saying, no, I've got you. I am with you. I will act on your behalf. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and our strength, our very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble. Listen, we don't have to be afraid, even in the midst of financial crisis, even in the midst of a broken relationship, even in the midst of a job that we don't know if it's going to be there tomorrow. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. Psalm 20 says some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. You're going to face battles, but you've been equipped with strength for the battle. And for those of you in the room who might find yourself here today, like Hezekiah, having tried everything you know to do, to do things right, to serve God wholeheartedly, and you're still in the battle, there's a verse for you too found in Isaiah. It says, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even you shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It's a promise of God that no matter what the battle might look like for you, no matter what the war raging around you sounds like today, God is with you. He will strengthen you. He will equip you. He will uphold you with his righteous right hand. He's got you. And because he's got you, when you know the word of God, you can fight any battle that comes in your direction. You can fight any battle that comes in your direction. You know, I want to pause here at the end of this service. And I want to talk to those of you who might be in the room today. And maybe you showed up to church. Maybe it's a last-ditch effort. Maybe you're questioning what a relationship with God actually really looks like. Maybe you've been hurt before. I don't know your story, but I know God does. And it's not by accident that you're here today. Some of you are here just thinking, I know that the battles are real, but I don't know if I can trust God. I just want to tell you, he's the one thing that will not let you down. And you haven't gone too far. You haven't sinned too much. The mistakes of your past that might be running through your mind are not bigger than the God that we serve. And the scripture says that he loves you so much in Revelations, it says he stands at the door and he knocks. 
He's saying, and if anyone would hear his voice and open the door, he will come in. See, God's not a pushy God. He's not going to push himself on you. But I'm telling you, if you will open the door of your life to him, he will come in and the atmosphere begins to change. It's like that song we sang earlier, Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. And if you're here today and you've never made a decision to surrender your life to God, maybe you're here and you've just been running from God, just trying to do things your own way. Maybe, maybe this is your first experience with church and you're feeling a little overwhelmed, but I'm just saying that there's a God in heaven who loves you and it's not by accident you're here today. So maybe, just maybe, today is the day to open your heart and the door of your life and give him a chance to change the atmosphere. So I'm going to ask everyone in this room to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want to say a prayer right now. And I'm not going to ask anybody to pray out loud. And I'm not going to ask you to get out of your seat. I don't want to embarrass you. But I do want you to take a moment and, and open your heart to what God might be saying to you. And if you're here today and you need to make a decision to surrender your life to God, whether you've been just running from God or maybe you're just here for the first time and you just... You're just going, I know that I need this. I know that I need this. I'm going to pray a prayer right now, and I'm just going to invite you to pray this prayer with me in your own heart, in your own mind, between you and God. If that's you, would you just join me in this prayer? Dear God, I know that I've sinned, and I ask you to forgive me. I open the door of my life to you, God, and I ask that you would come in and begin to change things. Today, I choose to give you my life. And all around the room, if that's you, and today is the day that you need to make that decision, would you just let that be the cry of your heart? Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my life. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.